Hello, and welcome to In All of Us Command. I'm Kate. I'm Aaron. And we will be learning about national anthems. Each week, we choose a new country at random. We will learn a little bit about this country, and then we will listen to their national anthem. After listening, we rate the anthem based on several criteria to see how they all stack up in our humble opinion. Now, we don't want you to think that because of the title, we're huge fans of O Canada. In fact, we plan to dunk on it pretty much constantly during the show, and we don't expect to finish highly in the rankings at all. So today, we are going to be talking about East Timor, Okay. which prior to this research, I did not know existed. Yeah, I did go against my better instincts and say that I thought it wasn't an island nation, you only incorrect. to discover that, yes, indeed, it, it is an <laughs> island nation. You are incorrect. It is an island nation. It is also known as Timor-Leste, or Lest, I'm unsure exactly how you sure, pronounce which that. which is just a translation of East Timor, I exactly, imagine. Yeah. Exactly, but if you're doing research as I was, it can be helpful to... Write it both ways sometimes. Yeah, almost like Timor the East yes. rather than East Timor. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's also usually hyphenated when they when it's written Timor Leste. Yeah, I do think I've seen it written out that way. Yeah. Um, so it is an island nation, as we discussed, um, between the Timor and Banda Seas. It is not a part of Indonesia. We're going to get into this. Okay, it's, but it's in like the Indonesia neighborhood. It is. Where you're picturing Indonesia, that's where it is. Cool. But... It's not part of Indonesia. Okay. This is going to be a whole... It always is. A whole bloody thing. So we'll get there. Um, it is north of Australia and west of Papua New Guinea. Okay. To kind of orient yeah, you there a little that's bit. That's sort of where I'm picturing it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the, the geography of this is quite important. Okay. Um, through the history, especially in World War II. Right. Um. That would make sense. The population is about 1.3 million, which is not a lot considering that the population of Toronto is 2.93 million. Yeah. So, so less than half the population of our city. Yes. And it's a very small country, but it's also not a dense one at all. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, is it like bigger than Toronto? Like probably. Yeah. I, I would assume so. Yeah. But it's it's very mountainous. Yeah. Though. Um, so there's not a ton of like easy access. All I'm saying is places. there's no reason it would be particularly dense unless no. the entire country was smaller than Toronto. No, that's true. Um, but anyway, not dense, fairly low population. Um, it occupies the Eastern portion of Timor Island, which otherwise is Indonesian territory. Okay. So, so, so West Timor is not a country that's no, Indonesian territory. That's Timor. Sure. East Timor is what we're talking about. But Timor is Today. part of Indonesia. Yes. Okay. Yes, cool. it is. That is... Just wanted to be clear on that. Or if there was like a third country in the mix there. No, there is not. It's just the two of them. Um, and I'm not going to tell you about it right now, but it's oh, going to be... Oh, I'm sure there will be all sorts of history <laughs> there, but... There's all sorts of history. Um, so East Timor has made like two major bids for independence in their history. Um, Are they yeah. officially recognized as an independent state? Yes. Yes. Okay. But very, very recently. Very recently. Um, okay. We will get into this as well. This history, like as we've noted, often takes us like through like the 50s or 60s. And then it's kind of Especially the modern I day, so it's fine. With like the places that were English colonies, I yeah. think it started to come into focus for me a bit while doing the Palestine episode. Mm -hmm. Like the financial hit of England's colony in india and world war ii 
coming sort of back to back are what, as far as I can tell, would ultimately cause England to be like, you know what? You can all be independent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we're just, we're, we're, just we're not dealing with this we're anymore. Um, so, yes. So Eastermore makes two major bids for independence, one from the Portuguese and then again from Indonesia. And the their independence from Indonesia is as early as 2002. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's... So we're like coming up on the 20th anniversary. Yep. Okay. And it's worth keeping in mind that there are people currently living in East Timor who have like very fresh memories. Sure. Of, of course. All of this. It, this uh, this would be then the youngest country we've researched. I believe so. Unless we are to count, I guess, Palestine, which has not been officially recognized by the UN. But of yeah. the officially recognized of the officially countries, recognized. I think this would be the youngest. I think you're right. Um, which is kind of interesting. Good job, East Timor. <laughs> Uh, they speak over 40 dialects of kind of local languages, mostly of Papuan and Malayan origin. Okay. Um, with the majority, sorry, with the like largest one being um, Tetum. It's okay. Called. Uh, some people also speak English, Portuguese, and Indonesian. Sure. But less so. I think there's going to be a couple English speakers in just about every country we get to. Yeah, yeah, there are. Um, it's also mostly a rural farming population. Okay. Um, and has been pretty much forever. Uh, sort of the majority of like working people are farmers. Cool. Um, the largest and capital city is called Dili. And most people who live... Could you spell that for me? Sorry, yeah. I've never heard of that. So it's just D-I-L-I. Okay. Yeah. Um, and most people who do sort of, you know, live the urban life are doing it in Dili. Sure. Um, so the, the big... Like by far the biggest By city. far. Okay. By far. Most people, as I said, live rurally. Yeah. Um, the stat was weird. It's like seven-eighths or something of people live rurally, something like that. Yeah. So there's some history. We're going to get into this. Um, it is kind of weird, and I was kind of laughing and also kicking myself and everyone, because when you go ahead and Google the history of East Timor, <laughs> the thing people like to do is that immediately they, they just jump to the Portuguese showing up. Right. As if nothing happened. Certainly something I'm finding that. in my early research on Moldova as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like <laughs> history of East Timor. And the next line is the Portuguese arrive in like 15 whatever <laughs> and like conquer the thing and whatever. It's like, but, 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 but. Yeah, but. I, I think the first line of, of like the first source I looked at for Moldova was like, they were conquered by the <laughs> Roman Empire. And it's like, they couldn't be conquered first. There had to be <laughs> exactly. something. There had to be something there. I think the only exception to this was Sao Tome and Principe, which was True, uninhabited. Which was fully uninhabited. Until yeah. I think the Portuguese showed up. But then conquered is still not the right word. No, absolutely not. It was just humans arrived. Claimed, yeah. 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 So there is, there is evidence of human occupation in East Timor. Okay. Prior to the Portuguese arriving because of course there is because as you say if you want to colonize something has to be there there's got to be something yeah um however the early historical knowledge is pretty limited okay um it's a lot of oral histories yeah and stuff that wasn't exactly written down um and i'm sure the portuguese weren't like hanging off every word of these people they were i think some of them were like vaguely curious yeah but they didn't care really i don't think they cared to preserve it that much although yeah. i don't think they were also doing like quite as active a genocide as some other places sure. maybe okay um at least at at this at moment this point um <laughs> we will we will see when the indonesians get involved a little bit later 
Um, so the archaeologists have done some excavating and they found shells in caves in East Timor. And these have been carbon dated to about 30,000 years ago. Okay. So it's, it's pretty long, early. Long time, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's general consensus from archaeologists that people probably at least passed through East Timor on their way between Asia and Australia as far back as 40,000 years ago. Like, are we talking about, like, Pangaea times in that case? I kind of think so. Okay, cool. Um, It was on the way. And if you look at it on a map, it it is. Totally, yeah. You can can visualize what that land bridge would have looked like in in the Pangaea times. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is. I think that's maybe the first Pangaea evidence we have. (laughs) I think so. I think some people disagree with this. Sure. I mean, some people disagree with the whole theory of Pangaea, don't they? Yes. Yeah. They Unfortunately, yes, (laughs) they do, even though it's, like, quite obvious how it... It's pretty well established. It's okay. Yeah, anyway, it's... The earth is round. It's all good. Um, (laughs) So, there have also been um, cave paintings discovered dating to about 4,000 years ago, give or take at the oldest. Okay. Um, Which shows us that at the very least, there were hunter-gatherer populations living in this very mountainous region, um, probably for the most part pretty separate from each other. Like, it would be easy to have your own territory in a place with a lot of mountains. Yeah, that puts us around, what, like 2000 BCE? They're going to be, I would imagine, incredibly isolated from the outside world at that point. Like, they have not seen outsiders in probably a couple millennia. Although... Um, they did at least at some point have contact with the outside world. Um, I found like kind of a sketchy source that a lot of this old stuff is like prehistory is from. Yeah. Um, they, they quote a lot of like academic articles on this stuff and I did not do a lot of looking into whether or not those are legitimate academic articles, but it sounded like not bad anyways. Okay. Um, but by, by contact with the outside world, are we talking about like contact with, the other small islands right nearby? Or, yes, yeah. also China. Though, oh, okay. Um, there is some discussion that the design of the calendar and the musical instruments that were found... Are inspired by are in, Chinese culture? They're very okay. closely linked. So That's um, interesting. I wouldn't have expected much like mainland Asia contact that far back. No, I, be- I believe there was some. Cool. Um, at least like moving into the, the more slightly more recent times as well. Um, East Timor has a large amount of sandalwood, okay, which is quite valuable, um, and people got really excited about that. So there was a lot of incentive to like get them on your trade network because then you could get that good sandalwood. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about China and India, uh, sort of via Indonesia. Okay. For that kind of trade route. I suppose if it's right off the edge of Indonesia, like you don't need to sail you know, 3,000 miles at once to get there. You sail from one island to the next, to the next, and so on. Yeah, And you could even, like, you could have a group that, like, goes to pick up the sandalwood, and then if you're coming from somewhere else, you just make one stop and you get all your stuff and get it. I don't know how they did it, but they have options. Yeah. Um, And the islands that you can see are quite closely packed. They are, yeah. Um, So it wouldn't be be a huge stretch. Uh, The social structure, as we kind of talked about, are mostly made up of these small groups that interacted with each other it seems like more or less agreeably um although there are some oral histories that the portuguese i guess looked into um disputing things like you know he got more fertile land than i did or oh, you know, they were supposed to pay me for the there's always going to be some always. disputes but reasonably peace like reasonably peasefully reasonably. Um, yeah. it seems that there were some problems over marriage payments 
Okay. Um, I guess like I gave you my daughter and you didn't give me anything. In didn't return. give me a good enough dowry. Yes, yeah. things like that um, seem to have gone down a little bit, but overall, not too bad. Um, Scuffles rather than wars. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Um, at least documented. Then there is the Portuguese occupation. Of course. Because um, once again, the Europeans start smelling money and mosey on over just to see what's what's doing. Um, in this case, Portuguese spice traders arrived by boat around 1520. Um, give or take, I got a couple of different numbers okay. for like Portuguese arrival, but more or less. Uh, at sort of the time that this is happening. Yeah, in that's the interesting. World. I find it's usually like very clearly marked of like, this is the day that Europe found this place. I think they're counting it a little bit differently. I think some people are counting like when they realized there was East Timor and then... Some people are counting when they started settling exactly, there. Exactly, okay. exactly. So it, it happened. Yeah. I don't know somewhere exactly around when, but somewhere around 1520. Um, the Dutch are also here because of course they are and they're just getting their hands over pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, so then Portugal and Holland are kind of duking it out over Indonesia, uh, with Portugal finally signing a treaty in Lisbon in 1859. So there's a long period of, no, that's mine, no, that's mine, no, that's not the border, no, the border's over there, a lot of that. Yeah. Um, for a, a long time. They signed this treaty in 1859, giving Portugal official control over East Timor, and the Dutch hang on to the western part of the island and much of Indonesia right. as okay. well. So there are a few things that are sort of attracting Portugal, including the sandalwood that we talked about, um, also coffee, and apparently they just wanted to convert everyone to Catholicism. Okay. They were just, it was a lot of missionaries. Um, they were here for the resources, but also just saw it as an opportunity to... I mean, in our experience so far, like, missionaries did very well in Pacific Islands, mm -hmm. Um they just, do. <laughs> just in general, like even when we studied Samoa, like Mormon missionaries got there really early and there's a mm -hmm. huge Mormon foothold in Samoa. Yes, there is currently, um, it continues on, there is a huge, huge Roman Catholic population. You can look at the very funny chart on the Britannica website for this. It's one of those pies. And like there's a tiny little splinter for Muslims yeah. and so, Protestants and that's kind of it. Yeah, I don't know what it is in particular but in my experience so far like whichever missionaries got to a pacific <laughs> island first just fucking got it they yeah just completely dominated the religious life of that island yes that absolutely happens here um east timor also though gets used similar to australia as just like a dumping ground for portuguese convicts they're like okay. oh you did a bad thing go to east timor boot and that's part of that story as okay. well um it's just kind of the the off-site jail kind of a thing um one source i was reading said that kind of besides all of this portugal is not as interested as they could be in east timor it's not like the biggest right most it's not important. their like most important pet colony sort no, of thing it's, no. it's just another random island they've got some people on exactly and i think more out of stubbornness than anything they're like no it's ours that's pretty common throughout <laughs> history i know it's just it's happening here um there's even like a, a totally pointless rock in the middle of the atlantic that like canada and i think denmark have been arguing over for decades and like 
there's not been any violence. Yeah. I think every few years, one of us shows up and like plants a flag on the island and like wags our finger at the <laughs> other ones. It's it's just pure stubbornness. Like oh. people like to hold on to tiny, pointless stretches of land they just do. so they can say they did. They do, um, and I think especially in this time period too, where so much of your power is in who you have colonized yeah. and how far your reach is. I can see why they would be like, no, we're going to hang on to it until the end of time. <laughs> anyway, it should be noted that the East Timor people did not go quietly into colonization. Um, they revolted quite readily. Um, and there are records of revolts like through the 19th century. Okay. So, so like ongoing for a while. Ongoing. And since it's not particularly high priority for the Portuguese, they're not like sending all their troops to yeah. crush this rebellion. They're they're the, just sort yeah. of letting it happen. The rebellions I think were not enormous. Yeah. They were like little kind of spurt rebellions. Right. Um and they happened. They happened and the Portuguese, as you say, I think are just kinda like, eh. Okay. Like have your fun. <laughs> yeah. They'll wear themselves <laughs> yeah. out. Exactly. Um the Dutch and the Portuguese continue to have conversations to discuss exactly where the border is between Timor and East Timor. Right. And this is actually only decided in 1914. Okay. They spend ages again being like, no, it's here. No, it isn't. No, it got to redraw that line with, of course, not asking anybody who might was, have an opinion. I was going to say, out of curiosity, do they end up coming up with a line that makes any sort of political sense? Or did they, as usual, just like cut towns in half and force massive human migrations? I don't know, actually. I didn't. It's a decently straight line. More okay, or less. Okay, so probably the second so one. So probably the second one, because that is historically kind of how they do things. I didn't read any records, though, of like major towns being cut in half and okay. people being divided. I think the population is not maybe high enough. Right. There's not enough major towns exactly. that that's a problem exactly. they're going to run I, into. I think if you're drawing a line, maybe chances they have are... to cut a couple small villages in half. Yeah, but like chances are it's just going to be wilderness, okay. I think. That's um, fine. More or less, at least. Um, I, I guess if the country is that sparsely populated, maybe you can draw a straight line in a place that is politically expedient. It's possible. But it took them long enough to do it, if Fair that was enough. the case. <laughs> it's been like centuries just being like, where should we put this line? I don't know. Maybe over here. It's okay. It's okay. Um, then we come around to World War One, where an attempt is made by the Portuguese to take over the rest of the island from the Dutch. They okay, decide, so to take over now the entire island of yeah, Timor. Yeah, they're okay. like, we're going to go for the whole thing. But this doesn't happen. Um, Portugal is in a bit of a sticky spot because Holland is pro-German. I read. I didn't know that, though. Are we sort of around World War II era now? Like, where where are we in history? This is World War I. This is World War I. Okay. And so then, they, so they're hesitating to then take sides for fear that Holland is going to see that they're going allied and they're going to just like take a swing at the other half. I mean, Portugal's sort of further from home than Holland is, I would think. Yes. And also Holland have a bigger foothold because yeah. they, they hold the rest of Indonesia. The rest too. of Indonesia. So they're in a much better position and Portugal basically doesn't really want to piss them off. Right. For fear of losing what little they have. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, it's essentially, it would be pretty easy if the Dutch want to, to just be like, 
it's ours. Yeah. Just come in and grab it. So it really seems like it's in Portugal's better interest to not try to grab the west half of the it island. It is. So it okay. seems they make kind of a feeble attempt and then they don't really bother. Realize what sort of shitstorm they're inviting <laughs> and they call it off. They don't push the issue. Yeah. Because um, then who knows what's going to happen. Uh, World War II rolls around. And this is where things really start to get hairy. Sure. That's unsurprising. <laughs> so here's what happens. It's awful. Okay, so the Dutch and Australian troops move into East Timor because they figure the Japanese are going to be coming. It's sort of on the way to Australia. It makes logical sense. They're like, we need to get in here to get ahead of the Japanese. Obviously, okay, so sorry, this is Dutch and Australian yeah, troops? Yeah. And we're, I imagine, like, the Dutch and the Portuguese are both on the Allied side of World War II? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, so they're all on the same side, but still, Portugal doesn't love this. Sure. They're like, I mean, um... That makes sense. You're just gonna come in here and set up, so... But they, they are right, ultimately. Um, the Japanese, it seems, saw the arrival of the troops in Timor to mean that the Allies were like thinking about putting in a big military base there. Okay. And they were like, oh, no, we got to get in. We got to get in right now. So they invade in 1942. And about 40,000 to 60,000 East Timor people die in the subsequent bombing and fighting. Okay. That ensues. Um, many of them volunteer to support Australian troops. And there's some fighting, and it's not great. Um, I can see how maybe public opinion would be, at least of the the people from Timor, I can see how opinion would be reasonably positive on the Australians. Yeah. Like, they, they haven't been colonizing us for a long time. They just sort of <laughs> came in because they thought the Japanese were coming. Yes, it's not unjustified yeah. as a, a tactical kind of a war move. I do wonder if the... Well, and certainly East Timor would not have been able to protect themselves from Japan no. independently. No, certainly not. And they, I mean, they've still got the Portuguese, but yeah. th that's not going to work. That's not going to help that much either. The thing I wonder, though, is like if they hadn't preemptively moved in the armies. Would Japan have exactly. come to Timor? Right. Exactly. Then they might have been like, oh, well, it's not that big a deal anyways. Probably they were going to head for Australia anyways, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, it strikes me but still as a reasonably important destination. It is. Strategically. Yeah, absolutely. It is very much on the way. I guess if not Timor, one of the many mm -hmm. Indonesian islands right beside it, or yeah. Papua New Guinea, or... And I don't know enough about what all happened in Indonesia in World War II yeah. to really... Yeah, well, we'll get into it. ...speak to it, but I guess we'll get there sometime. Um, so, this... The Japanese occupation is quite brutal. Um, they wreak absolute havoc. They're, like, beating people, and... The so has Japan now, like, successfully chased out the Dutch and the Australians, or is this an ongoing conflict? I I'm unclear on this. Okay. I think it's kind of ongoing, but The more, Japanese are winning. But the Japanese are winning. Sure. Um, and like, they're well-placed to do so. Yeah, they're a thousand times closer to home than yeah. any of the countries they're fighting against. Yeah, so they, they it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. They, there's the rape and pillage and murder and a lot of executions while they're around in East Timor. So that's not great. And they remain in control until 1945. East Timor then continues to remain under Portuguese control until 1975. Okay, and so 
the Japanese back out of East Timor as part of like the treaty at the end of the war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. World War Two ends, and they're like, okay. Okay. They 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 go home. Um, but then in 1975, Portugal undergoes a change in government um, during something called the Carnation Revolution, which I'm not going to get into here because I feel like we're going to want to talk about it during Portugal when we cover Portugal. It's but a fantastic name for a revolution. Oh, it's great. It's great. Briefly, um, there's a coup that overthrows the current totalitarian okay. government and brings in some new blood, Sure, I guess. Um, in light of this change, Portugal grants East to more independence they're kind of like, okay, we're seeing some changes. We're realizing maybe it's not great that we're just hanging out with you guys all the time. Um, we're just going to back out. Yeah. Sorry. See you around. Um, so they they head on out, which seems like it's going to be a good thing. Um, East Timor, for obvious reasons, wants to be independent. Um, some people want to become part of Indonesia. There's a bit of like a civil violence thing. Not an outright civil war, though. Just out of curiosity, yeah. when Portugal is backing out of the country, mm-hmm. like, has East Timor established a government or a constitution, or does Portugal just back out and leave, like, a complete power vacuum in their wake? I, I think the power vacuum? Yeah, okay. I don't know exactly, but I didn't read anything either about, like, constitutions coming into... Mm-hmm. Until, like, the 90s and 2000s. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, as I said, there's some civil unrest. Um, and then Indonesia sees an opportunity. They're like, we're so close. We'll just jump right in. Yeah. So, they invade in 1975, annexing East Timor in 1976. The UN, however, does not integrate... Sorry, does not recognize the integration. Um, the invasion is horrible, and costs some 200,000 lives, um, either because people were killed, like, in the fighting, um, or it seems that the Indonesians imposed some starvation on people, okay. and a lot of them died just from hunger, right? Um, not access to food and stuff. It's not great. This goes on, and on, and Jesus. on, and in 1971... Wait, I thought this all started in 1975. Sorry, 1991. Okay. <laughs> I can read. I can read. Um, in 1991, independent supporters are massacred in a cemetery in Dili, giving even more momentum to the independence movement. Jesus. So this is like a full-blown genocide against the people of East Timor yeah, at this so point. Yeah, so when I was Googling quickly and it comes up like the, the East Timor genocide and I went, oh no, what's that going to be? That's what we're talking about. That's what about. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the part. Um, this is the part. You will see. Um, in 1998, though, Indonesia starts to have a little bit of economic issues. Um, there are some protests to oust their current president, whose name is... Suharto. I'm assuming his last name. President Suharto. Okay. Um, after Suharto leaves, there is some hope that uh, there will be a change in the thinking and maybe some adjustment in how Indonesia is handling the situation in East Timor. Mm-hmm. Um, the new president, BJ Habibi, is willing to give East Timor, quote, special status within Indonesia. Okay, so he's looking to make it like an autonomous zone yes, kind of thing. Exactly. Sure. 
This, however, is not good enough for the East Timor independent supporters, because why would it be? I can't blame them, yeah. Um, he's like, we'll give you this thing. They're like, mm, no. Why Why um, would they trust Indonesia at this point? You wouldn't, and you fought this long. Like, might as well see it through to yeah. the end if you're going to do that. So in August 1999, um, the East Timorese people vote on whether or not they want to be independent or autonomous within Indonesia. Um this is incredible to me, but an astounding 98.6% of registered voters show up to participate in this election. Which, Just shy of 99% which, active voters. That That's is incredible. awesome. That's like we a can't few people. Pull 50 in this fucking I know. Country. So, okay, Canadians listening to this, vote, goddammit. Like, this is a politically engaged people. Yes. That's they, cool as hell. And you can see how, right? Like these are people who still remember when the Portuguese Absolutely. were in this control is, and they were there when the Japanese an invaded. genocide, like not even a decade ago. No, absolutely. Why and would you not vote to no, get out from under that yoke? Everybody votes. Everybody has an opinion and like shows up to have their say. I feel like maybe like two people stayed home with a cough. Yeah. And that's why yeah, that's, it's that's not 100%. Percent. Someone was like, I don't feel that good. I'm not going. I'm pretty sure we're going to win this vote. <laughs> and then the end result is that 78.5% vote for independence. Actually lower than I'd have guessed, a little to be bit, honest. But still like well over 50%. Oh yeah, still a um, landslide victory, especially with a 99% turnout. Yeah, rate. so we're seeing at least a good representation of what people actually think, Yeah, which is pretty cool. That's great. Um, I love when people actually get to have their voices heard, however but, late and not enough it is. But. Oh, good. Gotta but, love us. <laughs> nothing is ever that easy. No, it's not. As we know. So then a group of pro-Jakarta or what are basically pro-autonomous within Indonesia militia. Okay. Pro-Jakarta um, meaning like anti-independence. Yes. Right. Because Jakarta is the capital of Indonesia? I believe so. Okay. It took me a long time to figure this out. They were using Jakarta like left, right, and center as a, and I'm like, uh. I think kind of the same way you talk about like Ottawa yes. as the, the Canadian federal government. Absolutely. Yeah. So they have some militias and also some people in the Indonesian military who um, support the the anti the okay. anti independence movement, um, and they absolutely lose it after the vote. Um, I'm going to quote from the CNN timeline I was using while I researched this. It says, "Quote." Tens of thousands of East Timorese are forced to flee their homes. Entire villages are burned to the ground. Much of the territory's infrastructure is destroyed and unknown numbers are killed. So do we have any idea what the population of East Timor was around like World War II? I don't know that. I could look it up for you. OK. Remind me at the yeah, break. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I've, I've got a couple questions for you here. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, this is an adventure. So... After this happens, the vote and the, again, massacre and displacement of many, many people, um, there's now a fair bit of like worldwide support for East Timor. Absolutely. It's making the news at this point Good. and the, the world is paying attention. Um, so Indonesian President Habibi, as we discussed, um, lets Australian forces come in to help kind of cool things off. They do this. Um, but this is also not as easy as it looks because it never is. Yeah. Um, so I was reading a Guardian article 
by a journalist named Paul Daly, who wrote this article in 2019. And he's discussing how the Australian, like, quote unquote, help was pretty much just optics for them. Right. It was just a PR move. They didn't want to piss off the Indonesians because they're so close and like you want to like keep your relationship and whatever. But you want to look good on the world stage. But you want to look good on the world stage. I'm sending some troops to help. So so you send 2,000 and watch them not do anything. Yeah. So it seems the Australians like send some people and it worked, but they kind of only did it to be like, look at us. Right. We're helping and not because they actually wanted to do anything. It seems that they weren't going to help until the U.S. kind of forced them to um, because the Australians didn't want to piss off. Sure. Do you know around what year now this is? Um, We're getting into the late 90s. This is. Hold on. This all happens very quickly. Okay. So I think this is actually. No, this is still 99. Okay. This all happens in 1999 Um, because then in November of 1999, the Indonesian forces actually get the heck out. Finally. Finally. Um, you will recall, I will scroll up here for a second, that um, the vote was in August. The Indonesians get out in November. Okay. So, so there is a few months that elapse there. Yes. Um, a few months of like incredible violence. Yeah. And Australia being like, they're there. Now, now. Calm down, everyone. You know. Um, So then the UN starts the incredible work of bringing home some 200,000 refugees who have left the country in this chaos. And then in 2001, East Timor hold their first elections. Uh, 16 parties run. The winner is the pro-independence party, Fretlin. They'll be important a little bit later. Um, I would hope a pro-independence party won. <laughs> it seemed from what I read like it wasn't going to go any other way. Yeah. They, I it, guess the only way it would is if there were like a bunch of popular pro-independence parties that <laughs> split the vote. Yeah, no, that that did not happen. Okay. Um, then work begins on a new constitution. And at midnight on May 19th, 2002, East Timor becomes like as of then, like the world's newest nation. Cool. So they get there. But it's a long time coming. But it's that's, a long time. Yeah, that's a harsh last century, too. Yeah, it's it's a long fight. And it's certainly against the grain of what we've seen, I guess, until we talked about Palestine, where, like, normally the more recent stuff is a little more chill. Yeah. Usually. Here, though... Not the case. No. Man, if it's the 90s and you're in East Timor, don't, don't be. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, have we gotten any, like, have we gotten any countries yet that were properly a part of the Soviet Union? Because we will be next week. So that'll be a good first for us, too, in terms of not everything being super rosy in the last century. Fair enough. It will be interesting. Um, I say that. Okay. (laughs) So I have some fun facts to share with you today. Hit me. Um, the national animal of East Timor is the crocodile. Hell yeah. Yeah, which I think is a pretty bold move. Oh, apex um, predator as your national yes. anthem, or as your national animal? How do you beat that? And I think, too, cool to pick a reptile, because a lot of places, I mean, mostly mammals, right? You pick, like, jaguars and yeah. birds and lions, and, like, I get why you would do that. But in East Timor, it's the crocodile. Um, the national instrument 
is called the Babadoc, or I saw it spelled also Babadook. I am okay. not sure exactly. What, sure. It's a Individual translation. Individual letter anyways. translations um, can be a little sketchy. It's also a local instrument. So Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of it before. It's a small drum uh, played only by women. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's quite cute. They kind of like, it's a little one. You kind of tap on it. Cool. Maybe we can get a picture for the show notes. Yeah. I found one. There was somewhere, somewhere online. There was a cool picture of that. Um, or even a video of, of a woman playing it. Yeah. That would be cool too. I'll see if I can find one. Um, the, the Cristo Rey or Christ the King statue in Dili, um, this is quite something, was a gift from Indonesia to celebrate 20 years of East Timor's integration in 1996, which like, lol, (laughs) can you imagine? Like, we're just so grateful that you've been annexed for a while. So we're going to give you this big ass statue. That is fucking morbid. Isn't it? (laughs) Oh my God. It's, yeah. That's dark. <laughs> I thought Jesus, so too. Jesus, that is the worst version I, of the Statue of Liberty I know, in all of history. I just do. I only found this because I was like, oh, I wonder how tall it is. And I Googled it and it was like, so the statue was a gift from the Indonesians. And I was like, no freaking way. After I've just done all this reading about the genocide of the East Timorese people and then Indonesia's like, have a candy, <laughs> you know? Um, so the statue though is about 27 meters tall. Okay. Um, which compares to Christ the Redeemer in Brazil. Um, Christ the Redeemer in Brazil is 31 meters tall. Okay, cool. So, I had actually just written down that question mm, for you. So. Yeah. So they're about the same height, which I thought was interesting. Um, also, this is kind of cool. The Nobel Peace Prize has been awarded to East, sorry, to two East Timorese people. No way. That's it, awesome. Yeah. In 96, it was won jointly by Jose Ramos Horta and Carlos Felipe Zimenez Bello. Okay. They won it jointly. Um, they were both activists sure. in the, the fight for independence. So I thought that was neat. And a nice touch to give them that because God knows they deserve it. Right. So, sorry, is it just the one win to two people? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, also, East Timor is located in the Coral Triangle, which is an incredibly biodiverse area of the ocean with over 600 species of reef-building corals, wow. six out of seven marine turtle species, and over 2,000 kinds of reef fish. That's awesome. Right? It's, it seems it's somewhat environmentally strained, but it's still... I think that's most coral reefs. That's just coral point. reefs in yeah. general. But um, yeah, it's it's quite a, a hopping ocean zone. That's amazing. Yeah. So those are my fun facts. Um, we will go on in a minute answer some questions and listen to Patria or Fatherland. Yeah. So I do have a few questions for you to yeah. look into over the break. Hit me. Or, I'm curious. Uh, if you do have answers now, you can lay them on me. Sure. Uh, so the first question, um, sort of in two parts, just population questions. Mm-hmm. What is the current population of Dili compared mm-hmm. to like the population living rurally? Mm-hmm. And what was the pre-World War II population of the country, if mm. you can find that. It might not be that well recorded. Okay, I can check anyways. Um, question number two is, how long passed in 1975 in between Portugal leaving and Indonesia invading? Like, was it the next day? Did they wait two mm. weeks? What What was the length of time in between those two events? I think it was almost instantaneous. Okay. But I will check and see it makes the most sense. Because they didn't even have time to like yeah. get their feet, hardly. Um, yeah, I'll look that up. And then my last question is, 
I cannot for the life of me imagine why any of the people from East Timor would have been pro-Jakarta. If you could see if you could find any reasons as to why anyone took that stance when it seems so obviously against their best interests. I will look it up. All right. I wonder if maybe... And maybe maybe the situation is way more complicated than I understand and... and who knows? I mean, it's always going to be. Maybe it's I just think... people from Indonesia that had settled in East Timor and therefore were pro-Indonesia. I think it might also be that people were just sick of the violence. Yeah. And they were like, fine, we'll just take... Yeah, if it takes surrendering our independence, yeah, then, then we'll give it up. So be it. It is my guess. However, yeah. I don't know this for sure, so I will Google around. And, and certainly, like, the motivation for people's political beliefs is not always recorded that clearly. No, so it that's... might not be something you can find. <laughs> it's true. But it's also recent enough that there might be some stuff. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you can get, like, news articles and that kind of thing, so... Cool. Yeah, those are all the questions I had. I just okay. uh, wanted a little clarification on those. Great. So let's listen to this anthem. What's it called? Patria or Fatherland is the translation. Awesome. Yeah. Let's take a listen. Welcome back. So let's get into the snacks. Yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite <laughs> snacks of I know. all time. I was reading about food in um, East Timor, and one of the things that, like the main thing that came up with this was this steamed fish and banana leaves. For yeah. a lack of banana leaves, we moved instead into desserts. And um, like just leaned into the sort of Portuguese influence yes, of it all. It seems that the, if the Portuguese left one thing behind, it's a love of custard tarts. So, and that is something they also left in me. So, <laughs> so we went to our local Portuguese bakery and we got some custard tarts. You tried to make them once, right? I've tried to make them a couple times. I've made good custard. I am shit at pastry. Pastry is hard. This kind of pastry also is like a special yeah thing. And even the place we got them from, like we've bought custard tarts from this place before and mm -hmm. have agreed they make amazing custard and like okay pastry. Yeah, the best ones I think are from the St. Lawrence Market. Yeah. Actually, that I've had at least in the city. But anyway, so we ate those and we listened to our anthems and let's get into it. Um, so first, I'm going to answer your questions. Yes, And then we'll do. do the history of the anthem. Yeah, totally. Okay, so the current population of Dili is about 234,000. Okay. People. So like about a sixth to a seventh of the population yeah. or to a fifth of the population. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. More or less. Um, the pre-World War II population of East Timor is about 450,000. Okay. So the population has grown since World War II overall. Yes. Okay. But I'm, it took a hit. Absolutely. But they also got back, I think, a lot of the refugees. A lot of the refugees so that were chased it out. It would okay. kind of balance. Yeah. Um, I hate that. Okay. Yep. Um, 
I just, we were, there were such astounding numbers being killed and chased out during the genocide. I'd have guessed higher just because of the size of the population now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. That was, that was the only reason I asked. I also have no idea what immigration is like yeah, for them. I don't know if people, that's fair. maybe people move. I don't know. Um, so you asked also how long it was between the Portuguese leaving and the Indonesian invasion. Yes. So it was very fast. Okay. It was not days, however, but it was, <clears throat> it was very fast. Um, so the Portuguese leave in August, 1975. Okay. Um, in between that, the East Timorese kind of smell that the Indonesians are going to be coming in. Sure. Um, so they, on actually November 28th, which is the day that we are recording this, um, <laughs> shit keeps happening I know. um, they declare themselves the democratic Republic of East Timor. Okay. But then, um, the Indonesians show up like a few days later on December 7th Okay. and begin their long, long assault. So like there is just though sort of August, September, October, November, where there's just no federal government in East Timor? I kind of think so. Okay. Maybe they had a temporary thing. Sure. But y yeah, I kind of think, I kind of think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, you were also asking if, like, like why, why anyone was pro -Jakarta. Why anyone was pro Jakarta. I could not find anything. That's fair. About this yeah. in the time that I took to look it up. Probably somewhere there's an academic article written by some nerd somewhere <laughs> where they do a deep dive into this, but I did not find it. Okay. Um, I think, as I said to you a little bit before, I think these people are just getting brushed under the rug. If like, we don't talk about that. If that nerd is listening, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, can you weigh in? Write us, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safe space for nerds to engage in conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to talk about the anthem. Yeah. And sort of some history of that. So the anthem is called Patria or Fatherland is the translation. It is first adopted in 1975 at independence from Portugal. Okay. Um, however, it's not made like the official national anthem. Um, in until May 2002 at okay. independence from Indonesia. So, so our, our provisional government that was in power for like a week and a half didn't have a chance yeah, to no. make an official <laughs> anthem. Sure. They, they tried. They chose it. And they were like, here, it's going to be this one. And then the whole thing fell to pieces. And right. I'm going to say nobody had any time to be thinking about Yeah, they about. just didn't have time to fucking <laughs> finish the paperwork, basically. Yeah, like yeah, we have bigger things to worry about with Indonesia banging on our doorstep. Um, so... Yeah, it's officially made the national anthem in 2002. The original version is in Portuguese. The lyrics are by Francisco, Francisco, sorry, Borja da Costa, um, who is an East Timorese poet. And the music is by a guy by the name And the music <laughs> is by someone by the name of Afonso de Arujo. Ho. Oh probably not a j sound yeah is my thinking Mo more likely yes um so both the lyricist and the composer were actually executed by the indonesians francisco in 1975 at only 29 years old Jesus. and afonso four years later i think actually francisco died like on the day of the invasion it was like first thing Christ. we're gonna get rid of that guy he i imagine was a bit of a, a symbol for independence and you might say yeah you might say 
Um, we're going to talk for a minute about Francisco's wife, um, Genoviva de Costa. Martins? Sorry, there's a Martins in there. Um, she is incredible. Okay. She, I know this is not exactly related to the anthem, but she came up while I was researching and I just, I couldn't not yeah, include this. So she was very active in the independence movement. And Sorry, and this is the wife of the lyricist or the composer? This is the wife of the lyricist who was only 29 when he was killed And was by killed the on the day of the invasion. Yes. Okay. Um, so she founded the Popular Organization of East Timorese Women. Um, she taught women in the organization to read seemingly like while they were actively fighting the Indonesians. Cool. And she was imprisoned twice for her rebellious efforts. Um, she was also part of the first government in East Timor as, and was part of the Fretland party. Um, and was actually active until 2007. Wow. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, that after his death, she had like this whole revolution thing that she did, which is pretty great. Um, there is not a lot of information that I could find on Afonso. Um, his brother, it seems, wrote the anthem for the Fretland Party um, and was then president of the Timorese Nationalist Party. And his sister also sat in parliament as part of the Nationalist Party as well. Wait, so his brother, like, basically wrote the theme song for the one party and then was leader of a different party? I believe so. That's kind of funny. It's a small place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my my understanding is that within... Like, if you're part of the independence family, that's just, you know everyone, and that's okay. where you live, and, sure. like, everyone's involved, okay. kind of. It's, like, your social circle, and also the political circle, and also the people who are writing the national anthems. Yeah. Um, there was also, though, right, Afonso was, this is the musician, was afforded, uh, afforded, excuse me, awarded the... Ordem de Dom Bonaventura, after his death. This is an award that is named after a Timorese prince who led a rebellion against the Portuguese in 1912. And okay. it, it is awarded to participants of the independence movement against the Indonesian occupation. Cool. So a few people have won it. Um, he's one of them. But also he died too early, unfortunately. Right, to, posthumously. To know awarded. that he had been awarded this thing. But maybe he knows still. I don't know. <laughs> It's possible. That's a big question to get into in our I don't know. History. Maybe he's sitting up in the clouds being like, yay, <laughs> I won that cool award. I hope that's true. It might not be. I, I don't, didn't know we were getting into I don't the, know. We're not, the whether or not of an afterlife <laughs> we're in not the history of this anthem. We're not going to have an existential crisis on the air <laughs> right now. But anyway, anyway, so we listened to a few versions of this anthem, which unfortunately I ran into the same problem that I had when I did. I think it was Brunei. There have been a couple of countries where there's just where there's not a just ton of different versions. Not a lot of versions. Um, so unfortunately that happened. One of them is that soccer game where you cannot hear anything. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool to see anyways. But the, the third one you played, though, I thought was quite good. A really good yes. vocalist on it. Yes. If, if a very cheesy video playing over top. <laughs> It's true. Um, it's one all of those, like people in masks holding their hands yeah, over their hearts. Look at our healthcare workers. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, so I. Is that the whole history? That's the whole history. All right. You want to start talking ratings? I do. I do. What do you think about the music? Getting into music? I think the music is pretty bland, to be honest with you. Um, yep. I don't think I could hum back any of 
the melody of this to you. I think that like bridge part in the middle is kind of okay. Yeah. But you're right. It's not really memorable or catchy. It it all kind of just happens melodically mm-hmm. for me rather than making that much of an impression. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably, it is like nice enough to listen to. It's not like some that have been, no, in my opinion, it's... actively unpleasant. <laughs> It's not unpleasant, but it's not like that remarkable either. So I'm going to go four and a half for the music. Yeah, I was going to go four. And I think that's that's fair. Um, Lyrics. Lyrics for me, the biggest problem is the lack of specificity. Yeah, I agree with you on this, too. I think with the exception of the line East Timor, our nation, like any line of this could be applied to any country that was once colonized yeah and that is gonna lose it a few points for me just because where's where's the spec where's the specifics like yeah it's not there um i'm gonna go probably five and a half yeah i do think even that being said i do think there's some good points to it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the best closing line of any anthem we've looked at, just onward to revolution. It's true. Is pretty badass. It's true. It is a good final line. Uh, so yeah, I might join you actually on the five and a half. Okay. Background. So unfortunately, there was not a lot to go on here, but it's kind of interesting I think what, what we've there got is. is pretty good though. Like it's quite juicy. Yeah. The. The fact that it was sort of written at their first independence, which didn't get a chance to stick. And yeah. these these guys who were fighting for independence, like laid down their lives in the upcoming war. I think there's a lot of power to that backstory. There is. There is. And it clearly, too, has not gone unrecognized by these Timurese people. There's, yeah. Like we they ta- know. We've talked about anthems before where maybe the the writer didn't live to see it used as the anthem. I don't know that we've talked before about an anthem written by someone who was executed, like martyred for their country. Yeah. I think that's a new one. Yes, I agree. Uh, I agree. And that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Uh, I think background story is honestly where this is going to gain probably the most points for me. Yeah. I think like, obviously I, I wish there was more. But it, it's true that in terms of like general anthem research, it's not too shabby. It's pretty dramatic. Yeah. Like I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go for an eight for background story. I was also thinking eight. So I'm just going like, to agree with maybe you higher if there was more meat on the bones of it. Mm. It is a little sparse, but the bones we have are so good. It's true. <laughs> They're those good soup bones. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, significance? It is significant. I think so. And I again, I think that's that's going to factor in like just the very writing of this anthem mm-hmm. was a rebellious act in itself. Yeah, I didn't read anything about the lyrics changing or anything in between like the two independences. So I think it's also kind of interesting that like it applied perfectly when they were going to be independent from Portugal, and then it applied perfectly again. Yeah, when that's, they got that's fair. And maybe that from contributes a bit to the lack of specificity, or maybe the lack of specificity contributes to that. But uh, Or they just keep getting fucked over and over again. It, uh, it does work equally for 
both issues there, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I think I'm going to go for maybe a six. Okay. I'm going to go seven on significance. X factor. Not a ton. I know. For me, unfortunately. I know. I want there to be more. X factor is where I always want to give a 10. I know. I know. Didn't we for Palestine? Maybe we did. Yeah. It was a nine or something. Something along those lines. But, uh. Yeah, I'm going to go, I think, right down the middle and give this one a five for X Factor. Five, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a very middling anthem in in comparison to the others we've seen, I think. I'm going to go six because I, I think there's that catchy part in the bridge. Yeah, okay. That gives it a little something for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Um. so let's take a minute and add all this up. All right. Okay, so that gives us 59.5, which we looked it up, and this is now a three-way tie with Samoa and Eswatini. It's, uh, we're really jamming up around that 60 out of 100 area. It, honestly, it's looking like it's going to be our it average. doesn't surprise me. Like, that's that's a C, basically. Yeah, that's, that's a, C. a competent effort. <laughs> yep, um, and it makes sense that a lot of anthems are going to sit there. We have not yet had, like, a, An a disaster... Plus. Or an A plus. Yeah, yeah um, we haven't. Like we, d- I mean, we've had a couple that failed the assignment. We did. <laughs> Uganda, we're looking at you. Brunei, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's it's all in fun. It's all in fun. I know we have gotten at least one listen to the podcast from Brunei. Yeah, if that's you uh, and you're listening now, I'm sorry. If you've forgiven us and <laughs> listened to a second episode after we just savaged that anthem. We did, but it was so long. It was not good. Anyway, so we have to like try and be somewhat objective here. This is not a stab at your country or you as a person or a people or anything like that. It's just... But this East Timor anthem is coming right down the middle. Yeah. 59.5 is our most common score. Yes. We'll see how many others get it before we're done here, because there's already <laughs> a pile up and we're not close to halfway. We're not, even, we're not close to a quarter <laughs> I of the way. <laughs> Sometimes I think about this and I'm like, are we going to finish this? We'll do as much as we can. And I figure like, so what if it takes us our whole lives? Yeah. It'll be a fun ongoing project. <laughs> Okay, let's see what I'm doing next. I have rolled our giant 206-sided die, and I have come up with number 99. Number 99? That's a fun number. Okay. Uh, So that is going to be Laos. Laos. Okay. I'm going to say reasonably close by. I think so. To, like, the, the Indonesia area? I think so, although we may be surprised. I don't know why I keep <laughs> doing this. I'm always wrong. But it for sounds... some reason, I always just want to throw okay. my totally uneducated opinion into the ring. What else are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so Laos is at least a place I've heard of. Yeah. I've heard that word in the world. Um, I, I don't really know where it is. So that's in two weeks, everybody. Join us next week for um, what you doing again? Moldova. That's it. And we it. will have our first guest on our Moldova episode. And our first guest. So it's going to be a fun one. Thank you all for listening. See you then.
something very wrong? Did we skip an entire part of the story that's worth mentioning? That's very likely, and we'd love to hear the correct version. Please tweet us at IAOUC podcast or send us an email at inallofuscommandpodcast at gmail.com. We record these episodes a bit in advance, so you may not hear a correction right away, but we're not too big to admit we are wrong and it will be corrected.